Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swillard. A couple of weeks ago, um, we were on vacation with my family, and there were 22 of us all together staying in the same house. And now some of you might hear that and think that sounds horrible. But fortunately, uh, all of the family that were there, we love each other and get along with each other really great. We had a great time. And um, of the 22 uh, was my cousin who had just had a baby who's going to be turning a one pretty soon. His name's Caleb. He's a really cute guy. And every time I would turn around, Jamie was right there with him, like playing in the floor with him, holding him, uh, trying to feed him. And, um, you know, I have to say, it was pretty funny watching this whole scene right here. Jamie's uh, trying to feed Caleb. Because uh, regardless of, of, you know, what you might be serving a baby, it might be the good stuff like peaches or applesauce, or it might be, you know, green beans or spinach or something like that. I don't know. Regardless of what you're wanting to feed a baby, um, if the baby doesn't want to eat, their entire body gets involved in the struggle. It's like, first of all, their, their jaws just kind of become, you know, you know, cast iron, you know, they, like, they lock shut. And if miraculously you do get a little bit of food past the lips into their mouth, that little powerful baby tongue just pushes the food right back out sometimes. And you've got that going on. Um, also during these struggles, you know, if you've just got a few bites left or if the baby's just like, I'm done, I've had enough, they start playing some pretty aggressive defense. You know, you go in with a spoonful, right, it's headed right to the mouth, and then all of a sudden the head turns and the spoon goes into the ear. I don't know, anybody know what I'm talking about here? Or their hand-eye coordination gets really good all of a sudden, and it's like a hand comes out of nowhere and smacks the spoon away, and that spoonful ends up in the floor or in your lap. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Ever fed a baby before, baby food? Okay. But what, what babies don't realize, what babies don't know, is that they need to eat, that there's nutrition in that food, that it's going to nourish them, and they've got to have it if they're going to grow and be healthy, right? So no matter how much the child uh, no matter how much you try to feed that child, regardless of how tasty the food might be, even if it's just the good stuff, peaches, apples, you know? Somebody knows what I'm talking about back there. <laughs> if they don't want to eat it, it you, can't, you can't force it down them. You can try. You might get a few bites in, but they're not going to fill their tummy unless they want it to be filled. They, they've got to want it. And you know what? You get that crying baby that starts getting hungry, that whining baby that starts to get hungry. It's easy to feed that baby, right? It's a lot easier because they desire it. They want it. They're hungry for it. In a similar way, the Holy Spirit does not force himself on us. He doesn't make us be full of himself. We've got to want it. We've got to desire it. We've got to crave the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives if we're going to be full of the Spirit. We've got to do that. Back in the beginning of June, we started this series where we're talking about the person and the work of Holy Spirit. We're talking about what it means for us to live as Spirit-filled believers. And the series has been a little bit intermittent because of the 
you know, um, schedule of the summer. So this is really just part four of this series, even though we started it weeks and weeks and weeks ago. But today, I would like to, to pick back up where we left off, but real quickly, let's kind of cover some of the things that we've talked about, just to kind of bring everybody up to speed. We've talked about how being in relationship with Holy Spirit is absolutely imperative to our mission. Now you say, well, what is my mission? What is our mission? We all have the same mission. Every believer has a mission. And Jesus told us, told the disciples what our mission is in Matthew 28, 18. He says, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all I've commanded you to observe, right? And then right before he ascends to heaven, he says this in Acts chapter one, verse eight, he says, but you shall receive power, dynamite power, after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then you will be enabled to be my bold witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so if we are going to execute our mission, if we're going to carry the gospel to the world, if we're going to carry the, the culture of God's kingdom into our lives, into our families, our homes, our workplaces, wherever we step foot on the earth, then we've got to be in relationship with Holy Spirit. It's imperative. It's an absolutely most important thing. We also talked a little bit about a term that I, I kind of coined as holy uncomfortableness. Holy uncomfortableness. This is kind of described like when people start talking about Holy Spirit or you're in an environment like you were earlier today in worship where the Spirit was leading us to do something and there was a, a word in tongues that was given and then we had several different kind of things that have happened uh, with between you know the word that Renee gave, Molly came up, uh, the the song that Logan sang, you know all this kind of stuff. If you've never been around this culture before, if you've never heard anybody talk about or teach about Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, sometimes it can make you a little nervous, a little uncomfortable. This is a little awkward. I don't know what to do with this. And I just want to assure you of something, reassure you. It's okay that you feel that way. It's all right. It's. You know, the disciples, Jesus' disciples, weren't really comfortable when Jesus was talking with them about the Holy Spirit. They weren't comfortable at first. The important thing is, is this, is don't run away. Don't bail. Don't, don't retreat just because you're a little uncomfortable. The important thing is, is to lean into it and allow the Lord to work out this holy uncomfortableness on the inside of you. But you gotta stick around long enough to do that. And, and so... Like I said, it's okay to feel that way at first. Now, in our last installment of this series, we started talking about some foundational truths that every Christian needs to know about the person of the Holy Spirit. And so far, this is what we've covered. Holy Spirit is God. Holy Spirit is a person. Holy Spirit is eternal. Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Holy Spirit was involved in creation. And Holy Spirit, using people, wrote the Bible. So if you missed any of this series, I would encourage you go back to our website, get on Facebook, YouTube, our podcast, and catch up and listen to these things, watch the series, and, uh, and, and get yourself, prepare your heart, get educated. And it's not about just getting head knowledge. What, it, it's, what it's really about is becoming more intimate with the Spirit of God, becoming that, that intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. So before we dig into what we have today, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just pray right now that you would be welcome in this place, not just um, 
in this theater, God, but in our hearts. Be welcome in the place of our hearts. Father, we just thank you. We acknowledge you. We thank you that you made it possible that the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of us. You sent your son, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you through your, your birth, your life, your death, your resurrection. You made it possible for us to be called sons and daughters of God. And we thank you that you didn't leave us to figure this out on our own, but you are the one that told us the Holy Spirit would come and live on the inside of us. So Holy Spirit, we pray right now, whatever uh, paradigms that we have that aren't uh, biblical, whatever thoughts that we have aren't from you, whatever feelings that we have aren't from you, we ask you to help us see past those and to truly hear what it is that you're speaking to us, to feel what you feel, to see what you see. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Well, picking up where we left off uh, with these foundational truths, uh, let's look at this one here. Holy Spirit is our teacher. Holy Spirit is our teacher. Uh, Jesus said this in John chapter 14, verse 26. He said, he, speaking of the Holy Spirit, he will teach you all things. And then in 1 John chapter 2, verse 27, it says this, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, it's not counterfeit, remain in him. See, it's kind of like that little, that holy uncomfortableness that we talked about. You got to remain there if you want to be taught. So the Holy Spirit is our teacher in basically two ways, directly and indirectly. Sometimes Holy Spirit teaches you directly, and that's through no other voice but just his own. Um, when this kind of thing occurs, it's pretty awesome. Maybe you're praying about something specifically. Maybe you're just going about your everyday life, just doing your thing. And then Holy Spirit speaks to you, and he's teaching you something, something that you need to know. And what's really cool about this is not only are you learning something that only the Holy Spirit can teach you and reveal to you, but also it's really cool that he just speaks by his own voice to you and making himself real to you in that way. And it, it almost like when the Holy Spirit speaks directly to you, it's like it, it just, it gets there much faster. It changes you much faster. But Holy Spirit also teaches us indirectly. So, you know, maybe um, you're reading your Bible Maybe the Holy Spirit's illuminating something to you as you're reading the scriptures and showing you how does this apply to your heart? How does this apply to your circumstances? How does it apply to the church at large? Maybe um, Holy Spirit is teaching you while you're listening to somebody preach or teach, or maybe you're reading a book or a blog. It's unlimited. Holy Spirit is not limited in the way that he can teach you. Maybe it's while you're just standing there and you're singing in the middle of worship and he's trying to teach you something. Holy Spirit is our best teacher, and he's actually the only 100% reliable teacher. He's the only teacher who truly matters. You know, whatever teaching that you've heard, uh, no matter what teaching that you've read, it doesn't matter who the preacher or the teacher is if the Spirit does not apply it and it doesn't bear witness in your heart. And if it doesn't bear witness, I'd encourage you to do this. You just take that thing and go, well... I don't really understand this right now, so let's just put it right here on the shelf, and maybe there will be a time where Holy Spirit reveals that to me, or he teaches me what that teacher was, or what I read in that book, what that was saying. Now, if you hear something from a preacher or teacher, if you read something, and it does not line up with this, 
then you cannot just put it on the shelf. You can disregard it altogether because the Holy Spirit was the one who authored this, and the Holy Spirit will not contradict himself. So if the teaching does not line up with this right here, then it's not from Holy Spirit, and you just need to, to disregard that altogether. Here's a word of caution. Holy Spirit will only witness to what is true. Because remember we said earlier in this series, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. So he's only going to witness to what is true. Even the very best Bible teachers can sometimes make mistakes. I was talking with, I think, Jeff yesterday, and we were talking about songs and sermons and, and such. And, you know, sometimes I'll review sermon notes of things that, that sermons that I wrote 10, 15 years ago. And I'll go back and I'll go, do I even really believe what I taught anymore? I've grown since then. I have more tools since then. I have more knowledge and experience since then. And I'll tell you, man, I've said things in the past where I go, I'm not even, I'm not really sure uh, what I said was really true. Uh, And so I just thank God for the covering of the Holy Spirit to tell people what he really needs to be told because he's the only teacher that matters, right? Amen. But even the very best teachers are not infallible. You know, they make mistakes from time to time. In Acts chapter 17, Paul and Silas show up to this city called Berea, and Paul starts teaching the the Jews, the Berean Jews, and you know what they do? They go and they start fact-checking Paul. They go to the Old Testament scriptures to see if what Paul is saying is actually true. And and let me just say this. Paul didn't have the renown then that he has now. It wasn't like the Apostle Paul is coming to town, the the author of more New Testament books than any other author. You know, it it wasn't like that. Paul was more of an ordinary guy who was just out planting churches and trying to get, you know, the the movement of the Holy Spirit established in the earth. And so it wasn't like, ooh, we've got to just hang on every word that Paul was saying. No, they're fact-checking what he had to say. Does this line up with the Scriptures? And you know what? Paul did not get offended about that. If, if Paul was offended about it, then Acts 17 wouldn't speak so highly of the Bereans. But it actually says that they were a noble people, that they were open-minded, that they were open to what Paul was saying. Paul wasn't offended. They were eager to listen to him. And he wasn't all upset that, that they were trying to just say, is this true? So anyone, let me just say this, anyone who just says to you, well, you can just take my word for it, or you can just believe it because I say it, they're not doing you any favors. Listen, I'm not telling you that they're not telling the truth. I, it, I have no idea what they're saying. It, what they could be saying is actually true. What they could be saying is not true. But when someone says, well, you just take my word for it, or just say it because, you know, just believe it because I say it, they're not doing you any favors. And um, it might be just a tell of their immaturity, or their insecurity, and what you really need to lean into is what, okay, what is the Holy Spirit saying? Search the scriptures for yourself, because the Holy Spirit is the only infallible teacher, amen? All right, so this next thing for us to know about the Holy Spirit, this next foundational truth, this is going to be a real fun one to talk about, and that's this. Holy Spirit can be grieved. Oh, JD, that doesn't sound fun at all. I don't want to think about that. I don't want to talk about that. Holy Spirit can be grieved. Can't we just skip over that one? Well, let me just say this. Um, It's in the Bible, 
and God put it there on purpose. And so if, if it's there on purpose, then I want to know about it. And I need to know about it. And here's, what, here's where it says this. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter four starts out with Paul uh, making this appeal to the people. And this is what he says in verse one. If you've got your Bible, Ephesians chapter four, verse one, feel free to follow along with me. As a prisoner of the Lord, I plead with you to walk holy in a way that is suitable to your high rank given to you in your divine calling. With tender humility and quiet patience, always demonstrate gentleness and generous love toward one another, especially toward those who may try your patience. Oh, let me just read that one again. (laughs) Demonstrate gentleness and generous love toward one another, especially those who may try your patience. Even my kids, even your kids. Be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you in the bonds of peace, being one body and one spirit, as you were all called into the same glorious hope of divine destiny. Paul goes on into that chapter and he starts talking about the fivefold ministry gifts, the gifts of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Then Paul uh, goes in and he starts talking about what does it look like to live this new life that Christ has provided for us? And then in verse 30, Paul says this, Ephesians 4, verse 30, he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Another translation says, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. And then another translation says this, don't break his heart. J.D., you mean to tell, tell me that we can actually grieve the Holy Spirit? You mean to tell me that we can actually bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit? That we can break his heart? Well, if Holy Spirit is a person, then it stands to reason, then yes, that he can be grieved. The word grieve here in this passage, it's uh, the Greek word lupeos. And this word is used in reference uh, to a, a, a grief or a pain that's experienced between two people who deeply love each other. And so the word is normally used to depict a a husband or a wife who has discovered that um, their spouse has been unfaithful. And so now they feel betrayed. They feel shocked. They feel devastated. They feel hurt, wounded, grieved because of the unfaithfulness of the one that they deeply loved. So what does this passage tell us? It tells us about our relationship between ourselves and the Holy Spirit. It tells us that the relationship between us is invaluable. It tells us that it's irreplaceable. It tells us that the Holy Spirit loves us deeply. Just as someone, you know, that that loves somebody, they think about them all the time. They dream about, they have dreams for their life and dreams for their lives together. They cherish the one that they love. In that same way, the Holy Spirit thinks about you. He has dreams for your life. He cherishes you. So you're probably contemplating and thinking, wow, God's love is awesome. I'm so thankful for the love of God. How can I not grieve him? How can I avoid grieving him? That is a great question. If you're asking yourself that right now, good job. That's the right question to ask. And Paul tells us this in the very next verse, verse 31, Ephesians 4, 31. He says this, 
Lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums, revenge, profanity, and insults. Lay those things aside. But instead, be kind and affectionate toward one another. Has God graciously forgiven you? Then graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. Hmm. So think about this. Anger. Losing your temper, shouting when you get frustrated, speaking impatiently, speaking unkindly about two people or about people, holding grudges, pointing the finger. These things grieve Holy Spirit. And if they grieve Holy Spirit, then they ought to grieve us too. And maybe they don't. Maybe they don't grieve you right now. Maybe on some level that they do, but maybe they don't grieve you deeply. But the thing is, is this, is that if we will be aware of the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit, we will develop an acute sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. If we become sensitive to the things that he's sensitive to, then we can then be sensitive to him and maybe hear him more clearly when he does speak because we don't have calloused hearts. Let me say this, if you find yourself living like this, you've got bitterness, wrath, anger, shouting and screaming are regular parts of your life, slander, gossip, malice, and you realize what you're doing, you realize what's going on in your heart, then just repent. Just repent, which means change your mind, turn and go the other direction. I think that when we act out like that, other people see that in our lives. They're the victim of it in our lives. And oftentimes when, when people see that in our lives and they're the victim of that, their response is to be repelled by us. Their response is to be repulsed by us. And so they draw back sometimes. Even if they lash back out and fight back, on the inside of them, they've taken a step back towards you. And I think because that's human nature, I think we somehow have developed in our mind that paradigm of that's what God does to us also. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is not crud, I made a mistake, I need to run and hide from my dad. The gospel is, I made a mistake. I need to run to my dad. And so if that's you, if that describes what's going on in your life, don't think that God is repelled. Don't think that God is gonna run away from you. He's like that dad that, that had that son that ran away and he's sitting there and he's waiting on the front porch and he's waiting for the son to turn the corner and start making his way down the driveway. And the dad doesn't just sit there smugly on the front porch waiting for the son to come home. He runs out to meet him. So if that's you, run to God. Turn off your natural instinct and turn on your spiritual instinct. Don't run from God, run to God. Because the only way to get that ugly stuff out of you, the only way to heal your broken, brokenness, is to spend time with the Holy Spirit. That's the only way. Spend time inviting his presence to minister to you, to heal you. 
inviting him to renew your heart and your thoughts with his truth and with his love. So Holy Spirit can be grieved, don't grieve him. Now this next one is also a real fun one to talk about, and that's that Holy Spirit can be quenched. (laughs) Oh, really? JD, two of these back to back, you're killing me here. Yes, Holy Spirit can be grieved, he can also be quenched. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19, Paul says, do not quench the Spirit. Another translation says it this way, never restrain or put out the fire of the Holy Spirit. So if you're like me, you might be, be going, well, what's the difference between grieving the Spirit and quenching the Spirit? What's the difference between the two? I think the difference is this. We grieve the Holy Spirit if we look at that text in Ephesians, Ephesians 4, and where Paul says, don't grieve the Spirit. If we look at that text and we look all of it and go, okay, this is all of what he's saying here, we grieve the Holy Spirit by our relationships, our interpersonal relationships with one another. So like, you know, judging, unforgiveness, all that kind of stuff. But we quench the Holy Spirit when we discriminate directly against him, against his ways, against the way that he is revealing himself or manifesting himself. We quench the Spirit by uh, not respecting his presence or his authority. In my observation, I mean, there's different roots in this, but I would say one of the the roots in quenching the Holy Spirit is usually based in fear. If if you'll humor me for a second, I I would like to quote this wise sage that said this, um, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering. That was the wise sage Yoda. Um, Fear leads to hate, or it leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Listen, don't get me wrong here. Like, Alice is leaving right now. She's like, he, we're speaking about the Holy Spirit, and he's quoting Yoda. I'm gone. No. Uh, I'm not elevating George Lucas's words to meet the level of the Holy Spirit's, but I want to make a point here. Uh, wrong teaching about the Holy Spirit leads to wrong thinking and wrong believing about Holy Spirit, Right? Uh, And that's true about all kinds of things. The gifts of the Spirit, Holy Spirit baptism, it leads to wrong thinking, wrong teaching leads to wrong thinking and wrong believing, which leads to fear. And Yoda said that fear will eventually lead to suffering. And I think that's what we see often, all the time, is because of fear, people are suffering in this specific area. And it's not that God is causing people to suffer, It's not like, well, you've got wrong theology about my Holy Spirit, and so I'm gonna cause you to suffer. That's not what's going on. We're causing ourselves to suffer because we're refusing to acknowledge or unwrap the good gifts that God has given to us. The scripture says that God has given us the gift of Holy Spirit. He's a gift to us. So first of all, you have to acknowledge him, and then you have to unwrap, unwrap it, accept it. Right? Y'all are like, can't get over that I quoted Yoda, so. Some people quench Holy Spirit before they've even given him an opportunity to show up and show off. They, they shut the whole thing down before they even give him an opportunity to reveal himself, to reveal his power. Listen, don't be threatened by what Holy Spirit wants to do. Be thrilled by what Holy Spirit wants to do. You're probably, it probably means you're gonna have to leave your comfort zone 
You're going to have to get out of what you normally feel comfortable doing. But if you follow the Holy Spirit, if you're totally open to him, you won't be sorry. You won't be sorry. All right, one more foundational truth we'll talk about today. It's really not quite as heavy as the last two, okay? So everybody take a deep breath and then let it out. Okay. And that's this. Holy Spirit is our guide. All right. Something Rick can finally say amen to. All right. Holy Spirit is our guide. Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 16, 13, he said, he, talking about Holy Spirit, will guide you into all truth. He'll guide you there. Paul wrote this to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 14. He says, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. So here's the deal. Unless you are led or guided to see truth by Holy Spirit, you're not ever gonna see it. Only by the Holy Spirit can we understand, really, what's written here in the Scriptures. Only by what, how the Holy Spirit guides us can we experience the joy of the Lord. Only by the Holy Spirit can we be guided into thinking the way that Jesus thinks, having the mind of Christ, feeling what the Holy Spirit feels, having that joy of the Lord, seeing things the way that he sees them, hearing things the way that he hears them. He's our guide. Now, I grew up here in Middle Tennessee as a kid, did a lot of fishing. My friends and I, we'd get on our bikes, we'd grab our fishing poles, grab a small tackle box, and we would bike to pond or a creek over to the Cumberland River and uh, lake all over there, Cheatham, Cheatham Dam. And we would fish all the time. We got a little bit older. We got our driver's license. We'd throw everything in the back of the truck, go camping and fishing for the weekend. I don't do that a lot anymore. I haven't fished a lot, but I think the last time I fished was a couple of years ago and it wasn't here. We were actually on vacation down at the beach uh, with the whole family again, all of us. And my uncle, uh, who's a very generous guy, decides he wants to charter a boat for all of us to, guys to go out and do some offshore fishing. And we went out there. We had a great time. Uh, got out there early in the morning, caught a bunch of mackerel and snapper and grouper. It was great. And I'd heard about this fish called the bonefish. And you're like, I just thought that was the name of a restaurant. Well, it's, it is, but it's also the name of a real fish. But they didn't have those in the Gulf. You got to go a little further south, down into the Keys or in the Eastern Caribbean and the Bahamas there to find this bonefish. And uh, bonefish are real skittish. They're witty, they're smart, um, they're hard to see, and they're fast as lightning. And, um, and so you, you find them usually in shallow waters too, you know, so you can usually just like stand out there in the water and fish for them, cast to them. They average in size six to eight pounds or so. And the word on the street is this. If you've never fished for bonefish before, you've got to hire a guide. You've got to hire somebody that knows what they're doing, somebody that has experience. Because if you don't, you're never gonna catch any of these guys. And I was actually just reading a story about somebody that was a very experienced fisherman in the kinds of you know, places that where I grew up fishing. You know, here in the South, you know, you got the, our lakes, ponds, rivers, creeks, but... 
he wanted to do some bone fishing. And so he'd heard about it. He goes down there into the Florida Keys. He's fishing in the, in the Largo Sound. And uh, he's, he goes back to these same places where he's heard these bonefish are. He goes back there and back there for months and months and just failed attempt after failed attempt. And, I, you know, he just kind of refused to hire a guide because either he was cheap or it was his pride or something, maybe a combination of both. But after months of not being able to catch these bonefish, he, you know, breaks down and says, okay, I'm hiring a guide. So he hires a guide thinking, well, the guy's gonna take me out to places, maybe I'm fishing in the wrong place. He's gonna take me to places I've never been before. The guide takes him to the exact same places that he's fished before. And the guide starts showing him and teaching him how to spot these bonefish, what to look for. You've got to see them before they see you. You've got to stalk these fish because once they see you, gone, they're gone, they're out of there. And then you've gotta know how to cast to them in just the right way. And so the guide was able to help this, this man see them, know what to look for, how to cast for them. And then once he showed him all that, he was able to catch all kinds of bonefish. It was awesome. It was great. And, and the same way is with the Holy Spirit. He guides us into truth. He shows us things that have always been there, but without him opening our eyes, we could have never seen it. For prideful people, you know, it's humbling to admit your need for the Holy Spirit. It's humbling. There's a cost. What is the cost? The shattering of your pride. But once pride is broken, you're now enabled to see the things the Holy Spirit was wanting to show you all along. Truth that he was wanting to show you. Healing for your brokenness. Insight for your circumstances more intimate relationship with the person of God. The same, the same guy that I was talking about earlier, he told another story. He said years later, he was uh, down in the Bahamas and he wanted to do some bone fishing. And he'd heard about some spots. And this time he went and found a guide. You know, it'd been a, many years since he had fished for bonefish before. He was in a different environment. It'd been a long time ago. So he goes and finds this guy. This guy's name is is Bonefish Tommy. Now, with a name like that, you better be a pretty good guide for helping people to find bonefish. And so they'd go out there in this beautiful, crystal clear water down in the Bahamas, about a foot deep or so. And this, this guy had lost his, his knack for it. He had lost his vision. He didn't know how to spot the bonefish anymore. But that was okay because Bonefish Tommy was with him. And he, Bonefish Tommy could, they, they didn't even waste any time trying to teach again, like how to spot them or what to look for. Bonefish Tommy just started saying, cast over there now. Do this now. Cast over there right now. And he said, man, I would just do exactly what Bonefish Tommy would told, me, told me to do. And I would cast and boom, I'd catch a fish. And he kept doing this over and over and over. And he said, man, I kind of really felt like real childish. I felt kind of dumb because I never could see the fish. I was just doing what Bonefish Tommy told me to do, but it was working. It was working. And, and you know, sometimes even as experienced Christians, we know sound theology, but we still need to make room for humility in our hearts and our lives and admit our need for further illumination from the Holy Spirit. 
Listen, I've been following Jesus all of my life, but I need him now more than I've ever needed him. I've spent decades of my life reading through the scriptures, memorizing passages, but I still wanna approach God. I still wanna approach the word with humility going, Holy Spirit, I'm hungry. Fill me, show me something. What has been here all along, but I've been missing it. Guide me, show me where to cast. I still wanna come with that hunger. Listen, don't ever feel like you've ever outgrown your need for the Holy Spirit. He's your heavenly guide and he will lead you into all truth. Truth that's been there all along, but you've never seen it before. Will you stand up with me? Holy Spirit, we just come to you now. We thank you for these things that we've been learning about your, your person, that we've been looking in the scriptures. We see what your word has to say about you. And so we just ask you to help us receive it. You're our teacher. You're our guide. So illuminate things to us about who you are that we've not yet seen. We want to really truly see, see you for who you are. We don't want to have a wrong idea about who you are. So we ask you right now to illuminate our understanding. We desire to be in intimate friendship with you. We don't want to suffer because we are refusing to acknowledge you as a gift. We're infusing, refusing to unwrap all that it is that you have for us. So help us wrestle through any holy uncomfortableness that we might have. Reveal yourself to us. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you glorify the Son. You're the one that illuminates the truth to us, that, that Jesus is the Son of God and that it's upon His name that we call upon and it's, it's His name that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that He is Lord. And so Jesus, I thank you that you are Lord and Holy Spirit, I pray that if there's anybody here today that doesn't call you Lord, I pray that you would draw their heart now to call Jesus their Lord. If that's you today, if you're here today and you would say, well, no, Jesus is not in charge of my life. I've not surrendered my life to him. He's not the Lord of my life. He's not boss over me. I've been doing life my own way, but you feel that tug right now to make that decision to surrender right now. That's the Holy Spirit working in your life right now in this very second. And I would encourage you, don't resist. Don't resist, but instead surrender and say, yes, it's time now been doing life my own way, but it's time now that I do life God's way. It's time now that I, I do say, Jesus, you be in charge of my life. It's time now that I, I say, all right, all right, I repent of the way I was living. I turn from that, and now I turn to you. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're doing that in the hearts of some people right now for the very first time, or maybe even for, for some people who used to be following you, but they haven't for a while. I thank you, Holy Spirit, you're receiving them back, just like the father received back that prodigal son. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you make that possible.
I think some of us, we've had the wrong idea about God because we've only been taught partial things. We've only been exposed to partial things and not the full truth of who he is. And I want to encourage you to lean in right now. Some of you are like, man, this is so weird. I, I've, I've, I've always thought that God was angry at me. I thought that, but right now you feel like it's like, you feel the love of God. You feel the kindness of God. You're feeling overwhelmed by his presence right now. That is the presence of God. It might be foreign to you, but God loves you. He has a great plan for your life. I encourage you to surrender. Just a moment, we're gonna close. If you need prayer for anything in your life today, I would invite you to come down, visit with one of my friends here on the prayer team over here on this wall. Pray with you about anything. Whether you want to pray with somebody and say, man, I just wish somebody would pray with me about me making this decision. I wanna become a Christian. Maybe you need healing in your life. Maybe it's for your physical body. Maybe it's for your heart, your soul. Maybe you need a financial miracle. Maybe you've got issues in your marriage and you want somebody to pray with you about that. Issues with your kids or your work or whatever. We wanna pray with you. And people say, well, there's power in prayer. Well, there's only power in prayer because of the one that we're praying to. There's power in the, in the person that we have a relationship with. God, he's all powerful. And so come and agree with another brother or sister in Christ that God wants to do something in your life, in you and through you. Lord, I just pray right now as you're getting ready to go into this week, we're headed into serve day, this wonderful opportunity that we have to show the love of Jesus to our community, to be the hands and feet of Christ to Middle Tennessee. Lord, I, I pray that you would prepare our hearts for Saturday, leading up to this week. You would begin just starting to reveal things about what's going on through our service. Maybe people that we'll come in contact with. Maybe it'll be people that are our brothers and sisters here at Seeds Church that we'll be walking right alongside and serving right alongside. But opportunities to grow in our relationship with one another or minister to one another. Maybe it'll be a complete stranger that we come across as we're serving that day a mom with her kids at that backpack outreach. Start giving us insight and wisdom and words for people that encourage them and build them up and show people who you really are and what you really think about them. Prepare our hearts. So I just pray right now, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your peace. Pray that it would be with us. Holy Spirit, I pray that, I thank you for your intimate friendship that you offer us. And Father, I thank you for your immeasurable love that you lavish on us. And we receive those things right now in the name of Jesus. The people of God said amen. amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord and people. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what he called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening.
We hope to see you soon.